more of you, Lord, more of you, more of you. We ask for more of you this morning, more of you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for um, being in service. You can mute all the ones here. Thank you for being in service this morning. Uh, I really appreciate everybody here. Thank you for being in service. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You're not here with me. Hallelujah. And praise the Lord. Man of God, you're welcome. Bless you. All right. So uh, today happens to be our last and final teaching on uh, on Quiet Time series. Um because of time now let me just uh, do a quick recap of what we did last week last week we looked at how to deal with quiet time problems how to deal with quiet time problems now there is a reason why i have taken my time to exhaust this subject of quiet time and one of the major reasons why we are doing this is because the future of every believer is founded on this reality that we are teaching you. If you take this for granted, you are taking life itself for granted. We looked at some problems that you begin to encounter when you begin to um, take your quiet time more serious. And we said that as soon as you start a quiet time or even to commit yourself to having one regularly, you encounter problems and difficulties. And the, the main reasons why you encounter problems is because Satan hates doing business with God. Satan dreads every moment a believer makes with the Lord. He doesn't have a problem when you're watching a movie. He doesn't have a problem when you are on your phone browsing on social media. He doesn't have a problem when you are chatting with friends. He doesn't have a problem when you're chatting with family. He doesn't have a problem when you're doing your homework. He doesn't have a problem when you're going for lectures. He doesn't have a problem when you're writing exams and you're preparing for it. He begins to get uncomfortable when he begins to realize that a believer is beginning to take his spiritual life serious, especially commencing from the place of quiet time. So listening is going to fight you tooth and nail to make sure that you are not consistent or he's going to fight you to make sure that you don't ever touch your Bible. You don't ever praise God. You don't ever pray or you don't ever have any moment you set aside to spend time with the Lord. Are you following me? And we said that there are four major problems that afflict or tax believers in their quiet time. We said number one is the problem of discipline. If you're a believer who wants to have a, a consistent um, quiet time, regular quiet time, you it, it does not only depend on God. It's something you need to understand. Spirituality does not only depend on God. No. You have a role to play and that role has got to do a lot with discipline. And we said that there are times the devil will exaggerate 
how tired you are so that you get convinced that you don't need to spend time with God, but you need more rest or more sleep. In as much as that can be true, sometimes it can be exaggerated by the devil. Are you, are you getting this? And we said that two major things you have to fight to do quiet time is the flesh and the devil. Because when the flesh and the devil team up, you are in trouble. And we said that there are some few principles you need to learn about discipline. Number one is to go to bed on time so you don't get extremely stressed. All those times you can use to watch all kinds of things. You can use that for sleep so you can stay refreshed. We said number two, you must get up immediately on waking. It's one thing that helps you in the discipline party. The moment you wake up at dawn, don't relax on the bed. You will sleep. Wake up immediately on waking. We said number three, beware of quiet time robbers. And one of the robbers is phones, social media. The last things you do before you sleep, they all have a contribution on your mind. Number four, we also spoke about going to bed with thoughts of scripture. Listen, this thing is a war. And if you are not well prepared on the battlefield, you will fail, you will lose. You go to bed with thoughts of scripture. Take a verse that you, you studied in your quiet time in the morning and when you're going to bed, ponder over it until you sleep with it. Or you can do it with a song or with a message. Praise God. And we spoke of the second uh, problem, which is the problem of dry spells. Many Christians um, have said that they don't enjoy their quiet time. They, they feel the atmosphere is dry. They're not really enjoying it. They're not really getting much from the quiet time. And uh, everything seems to be dry. And we said that occasionally, you will encounter dry seasons in the quiet time process. And the reason why you need to understand that is because we walk by faith and not by sensory perceptions. So there are times you'll be reading your Bible, you will not feel the anointing. You'll be praying, you, you'll still feel like uh, nothing is changing. But actually, if you depend on your emotions, you can be able to walk with God. There are times you're going to have good seasons in your quiet time. You're praying, you just weep. You, you sense the presence of God. You sense a burning in your spirit. It's like there's a certain joy you have. You don't always have that. But hear me carefully. When it becomes almost always consistent that your quiet time is, is dry, that means there is a problem you need to fix. And one of the problems is disobedience. If you are living in disobedience, you're going to experience a lot of dryness. Because you need to make up things with God. You need to patch up things with God. In the book of Ephesians chapter 4, the verse 30, the Bible says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you are called unto the day of redemption. Which means the Holy Ghost is a person living inside of you and he can be grieved. And there are times when the Holy Ghost is grieved consistently, he redraws his ministry to be a blessing to your life. And sometimes he can redraw a sense of his presence just to draw your attention to the fact that there's something you need to fix in your life. And the more you're sensing that dryness, God is using that experience to bring you back home. Praise God. So now we also spoke about the second thing that causes dryness is, is a physical condition. Um, we're talking about extreme tiredness. If you always come to your quiet time tired, it will be dry. You are always tired. Why? You watch a movie from 2 to 4 a.m. You woke up at 6. You want to open your Bible. It can work. So you need to pick a plan. Maybe the nature of your job, you have to wake up at 4 a.m. So by the time you're doing your quiet time, you can't be able to catch up with traffic by the time you're done. So you have to meet and, and catch up with traffic. You can decide when you go to work. 
You're going to use one hour to do your quiet time or you can do it in the afternoon or you can do it even getting close to evening. But we have always said that the best time for quiet time is what? It's in the morning. In as much as we are not tying you down to make sure that it's in the morning. Because everybody here has different um, personalities, different temperaments, different ways where they respond to things. But we, we can generalize it from that part thing. But make sure you are not always stressed when you come to quiet time. Are you following this? Number three, we said doing too much in a hurry. If you know it is too, if you know it's one chapter you're going to dwell on to help you to glean from the treasures of redemption, make sure you stick to it. Don't try to read 20 chapters and get nothing. Don't try to read so fast. Don't try to pray so fast. There is a certain haste in the soul of man that always wants to come out quickly from the presence of God. That's why sometimes when you're praying, you're in a hurry to make sure the time is up so you leave. You have to learn to kill that haste. Because that haste can kill and make your spiritual experience with God very dry. I'm teaching good here. And then we also spoke of number four. We said doing ritual rather than building a relationship. Some people just want to kill time. They don't go for quality. They go for mileage. I've been able to spend 24 hours with Jesus. In as much as I give you all these testimonies, I spend time with God, I spend hours with God, but my trust is not in the hours I spend with God. My trust is the transformation and the relationship I'm building with him. Because you can spend 10 hours with God and still not know God. Someone can spend one hour with God and in that one hour, that quality in the one hour makes him build a quality relationship with Jesus. Are you following this? So we said doing ritual rather than relationship. Go for relationship, not ritual. Are we following this? Number five, we said not sharing your insights with others. If you come to a place where the insights God begins to give you, it's not shared, your quiet time will be dry. So there are days you must, that's why if you're here, you don't have a friend who is spiritual, there is a problem with your life. If you are here, sitting down here, you can't point to anybody who is spiritual that you are able to communicate or establish a relationship with and all your friends seems to be like you. There is a problem. So right now, check on your phone list. You have to start doing some deleting. Anybody you can't find or point that ah, I can be able to share the word of God with this one. I can share my faith with this one. I can be able to share my troubles with this one. I can be able to get encouragement. That means that you have a friend. You have a real brother in Christ Jesus. Are you following this? So sometimes in your quiet time, the revelation you get, don't keep it. Call somebody and share that revelation with the person. What is going to happen is that your faith will be stirred up. And you'll be anticipating another bomb from the Holy Ghost. Are you following this thing? Now we said number two or the number three, right? The third problem in quiet time is the problem. I think that's today's message. All right, today's message. It's the problem of concentration please don't forget it. When you go back, glean upon the notes, go through them and ask the Holy Spirit to help you apply them because the word of God that is not applied, no matter how powerful that word is, it won't transform you. The word of God is only effective when applied. Are you following? So the third problem is the problem of concentration. Praise God. Now, once you have been able to overcome the first two, what's the first two? 
the problem of what? Discipline. The problem of what? Dry spells. Once you overcome it, the devil will attack you by sending distractions. Now he has realized that you have disciplined yourself. He has realized that you've been able to deal with dry spells. Now he says, okay, so you are making advancement. Let's check the next move. Now, since we can't stop you from going to your quiet time from Sunday to Sunday, what we are going to do is that we will now allow you to do the quiet time, but you won't concentrate. See, Satan is smart. So what we are doing is that by giving you this teaching, we are equipping you. Have you realized that sometimes your body can be in a prayer, but your soul is somewhere? Your soul is in your boyfriend's room. Okay, okay, okay. Your body can be in quiet time, but your mind is in the kitchen. No, this I'm saying, it's nothing, it's what I'm saying, it happens to me. And people don't know that there is, there is a way you have to discipline yourself to bring your mind back to what you're doing. Because one hour is expensive. You can't, you can't waste the one hour on destructive thoughts. Satan will help you to wander your thoughts on different things that make no sense. So the revelations that God wants to give to you because you are not concentrated, he can share. We call that the battle of the brain. The battle of the brain. Listen, the brain is a very powerful thing. I'm telling you. Sometimes you use noise. You'll be hearing some noise at the maybe at the garage or something. A bed will be doing kick, 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 which is some small noise, but you bring your mind on that noise. And you're hearing the noise, then you are concentrating. What is what must be there? Who is making that noise? Your mind is gone. Hey, whilst you are praying, have you realized something you'll be praying? You're thinking of breakfast. What am I eating today? Kalobo, Shebede. In your mind, you are asking, What am I eating after quiet time? That's what are you eating after quiet time? Can be 10 minutes. You had some bad news the night before you were about to sleep. When you woke up in the morning and you are praying, Satan will re echo the bad news. A reminder, my dear sister, you had a bad news yesterday night. He'll remind you of it. And when you are praying, your mind will be on that bad news and not on the Lord. Listen, I, I can't stop emphasizing it. Satan always wants you to be distracted from focusing on God. That's what the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 12, the verse 2. He says, looking away unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. This one is it's, it's speaking of spiritual concentration. Spiritual focus. He says, looking. Now, give that to me in amplified version. You're going to see that for yourself, yeah? Now, look, he says that, Amplified. He says, looking away. That means you have to look away from all other things. Um, from all that which will what? Distract you. This one is not a gift from God. It's a deliberate thing we do. To Jesus, who is the leader and the source of our faith. Now, if Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith, and you focus on him, what will finish in your life? Your faith. 
your faith will be finished. So the devil knows that when your focus is on the Lord, Jesus will finish faith in your life. So he will distract you so that you are not looking. You know, we are going back to the roots. That's why we are spending time here. Because we, we have seen so many Christians who are serving, yet their heart is not deep. They are coming to church, but they are still shallow. And it's a problem. So we have to go back to the roots because if a believer is not strengthening in his walk with God, every other walk in his life will be a problem. It's just a matter of time. Yes. So this is the root. The source of a believer's strength is founded and predicated on his relationship with Jesus Christ. I love church growth. I love the church to grow. But listen, what is the essence of growing a congregation and the people are not growing? What's the essence of having quantity without quality in as much as both are necessary? What, what is the essence of having administration at the expense of ministration? What is the essence of having structures at the expense of stature? So we have a problem. Too many Christians are casual. Church is not a ritual. I must go to church because if I don't go, they'll call me. I must go to church because if I don't go, I'll feel bad on a Sunday that I'm, I'm home. If that is the kind of mentality you have as a child of God, please, you won't make progress. And one thing Satan fights is distractions. Problem of concentration. Now, some few principles I put there that's going to help you. Be sure you are thoroughly awake. Number one. If you really want to help yourself in concentration, make sure when you wake up, you are thoroughly awake. Don't be partially sleepy and expect to concentrate. It's not possible. you got to brush your teeth. If you are still feeling sleepy, if you're not feeling sleepy, you don't need to do it. You can do it after you're done. Bathing, if it's possible. Jogging, if it's possible. But do everything possible to help you to be awake. Please, are you following this? Because that's the first foundation. If you're not totally awake, forget about concentration. Number two, read and pray aloud. I told you that I learned this from some ancient man. If you do Bible reading in your mind, you, you, won't, be, you won't be able to easily concentrate. Don't read your Bible in your mind and don't pray in your mind. If you want to concentrate, you have to start talking because when you start talking, your ear hears you which goes into your brain and your brain begins to concentrate on what you are saying and it helps you to focus on the Lord. So don't try to practice spirituality in the mind. Especially if you want to concentrate. So you read your Bible what? You read and pray what? Loud. Speak in tongues loudly. 
Of course, make sure you're not disturbing anybody. Number three, quickly. Walk while praying. Please. If you really want to be concentrated in prayer, don't rest in prayer. Don't give yourself a comfortable position. You must, you, you must take away comfort. So, learn to walk while praying. I do that almost every time. Almost every time. When I'm tired or my knees are, are quite heavy, I just sit down for like five minutes or less than five minutes. I go back into walking. Don't tell me you are, you are, you are speaking in tongues on the bed with your hand like this. Helicopter. Helicopter. Hey. We've tried all that one time. I was doing that before I realized the tongue I was saying I knew was wrong. Opel, Opel Vectra. Opel Vectra is it tongues? Okay. The way many Christians have abused tongues, eh? Tongues. We have abused tongues. So we want to put every spiritual thing into tongues. We hide behind tongues. Everything. So we don't we don't learn to do things deliberately. I have been there before where everything when I wake up, no, it's all about tongues. Until God started to tell me that listen, there's a point, or most of the time, you have to learn to give God words coming from your mind, words you understand about Him. You praise Him with it deliberately. And you see, because when you start doing that, you realize how limited you are in those words. So you have to go to the Bible to go and read and learn. So it was when I started going through the praises in the book of Psalm that I came to realize that I was shallow when it came to giving the words to the Lord in administration. So now I realized I, I was lazy and I was using tongues to cover it. Today, when we say, lift your voice and begin to tell the Lord to help you to serve him, you, you speak in tongues. Commit your heart to the Lord and tell him how much you love him. Kadabala. Hey! I was at Potter City and uh, there was one uh, woman of God, Pastor Joe, who was ministering and she was speaking about pain. Okay. After she was done with pain, she said, talk to the Lord and tell him to heal you of every pain. And they were speaking in tongues. Healing pain. You, you have to tell God, first of all, the pain you are going through. And you have to do it in real words. You communicate heart to heart with him. You don't cover every spiritual reality with tongues. Some of you, your syllabus is, is tongue, tongueology. In as much as it is not bad, but what I'm trying to say is that learn to give real words also to God, which you can understand. Because when you speak in tongues, your understanding is unfruitful. You don't understand what you're saying, but your spirit understands it. So how long will you be saying something your spirit does not understand? How does he enrich your work with God in the things you understand? When you say, Father, I praise you, now you understand exactly what you are doing. So you can add words, romantic words. How, you see, now let me give an example. Now, now, I go to my wife. I want to tell her I love you. I say, so, Kati. 
Please, are we getting this thing? But when you're saying I love you, your mind knows what it is saying because your mind prepared to say it. Please, are you following this? So please, let's not hide behind tongues and lazy our walk with God. Am I helping you? Good. So, we said, walk while praying, right? Number what? Four, keep a notebook handy. Spiritual men that have studied and known so far, they had diaries, they had notebooks. I spoke to you of a man called David Brainerd who a book was developed from his diary which recorded experiences he had with God. Because listen, every single time is a special moment with God. God can show you things, share things with you, make you have certain experiences you will, may never have it in your life. Number two, the reason why you keep a diary is because there are times, please follow, follow, follow. There are times, have you, let me, let me just check whether you're getting this thing. Have you realized there are times, the moment you begin praying, especially like you're praying in tongues, all of a sudden, you are reminded to call somebody. Certain people that you forgot about, their thoughts come to mind. All these things are prophetic signals because the Bible tells us the Spirit searched all things, yea, the deep things of God. So, the moment you begin praying, there is a search in the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost now begins to tap into the frequency you are praying into and begin to give you signals of things that you are forgetting. And there are days, what happens is that when you remember something you're supposed to do most of the time, it is in prayer I'm able to know members who didn't come to church. Yes. When I'm praying, then I remember, ah, I didn't see this face. Because as a pastor, it will be highly prophetic. Huh? For you, it will, it will be highly impossible for you to know everybody in church that didn't come to church. But sometimes, from a prophetic perspective, you are able to picture the image of the church congregation and know who didn't come to church. And in prayer, the image of somebody came I didn't see. Then I write the person's name down. Because when I give so much concentration to the person, I can't pray what I'm praying about. So I write it down so I don't forget that when I'm done with quiet time, I can attend to it. This verse was supposed to be fixed this week. It was committed to Minister Sam and he forgot. Thank you. So it was in prayer the Holy Ghost told me you're supposed to fix fans because the place is getting hot. And I called the electrician quickly told him to get the fans and come and fix them. It was in prayer I came. Listen, there are things the Holy Ghost can remind you about that you have. You, you, you won't be able to imagine it. So listen, it is wise to have a diary to recall things that you know you may forget. As you start trying this, it is going to happen. Sometimes maybe you are into sales or something. The Holy Ghost will remind you of certain clients that you forgot about. That you are supposed to attend to and find out how they are doing. You know, it's, it's in, the Holy Ghost is interested in everything about your life. And as you spend time with him, there are benefits. One of them is spiritual remind, uh, a spiritual reminder. Is someone getting this thing at all? Number four, pray and ask God to help you to concentrate. And number five, all right. Pray and ask God to help you to concentrate. I think here, this next point is where the main message is. If you missed everything, not this one. The meat of the message is here. Are you ready? 
What's number four? Is the problem of what? The problem of discouragement. Now, the word discouragement, okay, seems like it's the name discouragement doesn't really mean something that is very serious. But hear me, discouragement is a very serious problem. I know what I'm saying. Satan knows the power of discouragement. In fact, discouragement is one of Satan's most powerful weapons. Because it demoralizes you. When you are discouraged, anything you are set to do, you won't do it with joy anymore. Listen, that's why I have to learn even as a pastor to arm myself. There was a time, eh, I was expecting people to come to church. Plenty of people didn't come to church. And the Lord told me, and the devil told me, you don't have a church. You don't, have, you don't really have a church. You know what I told him? I said, where two or three are guarded. So a church is not thousand. It's where two or three are guarded. I had to remind him of that. To kill discouragement for my spirit. I'm telling you because, listen, in every field you find yourself, Satan will carve. He will carve a weapon of discouragement to best fit where you are in. There are some of you, if Satan realizes you're a student, he will carve the spirit of discouragement around your education. I'm telling you. He will carve it around an examination you wrote that you didn't write well. Or a resource you checked that didn't go well. He will build discouragement around it. If you're somebody who's into business, he will build discouragement about how the progress of the business is not moving the way you intended. And you will soon begin to focus on that discouragement and you forget about God. He, he's killed. He's killed in discouraging people. I'm telling you. Because listen, anything you are discouraged about, there's no strength to pursue it. There's no strength to pursue it. You think when you begin praying, Satan will be happy that you are praying. He will dig out failures, bad things, evil thoughts, memories that you have discarded. He will bring them all back to you. And the reason is to make you feel less of yourself. He will bring a spirit of rejection that everybody has left you. So now you are lonely. Look look at how lonely you are. What, what do you think you are doing? You are, everybody does not like you. Have you realized people don't like you? People don't call you. Haven't you realized? Haven't you realized? Then he's telling you in your mind. Then you start thinking about it. People don't call me. It's true. It's true. What's the essence of life? What is in life? Hey, then you start deleting certain people. You delete this, you delete this. You are considering it too. It's a spirit of discouragement too. And it's rooted in pride. Yes. It's rooted in pride. You won't realize it. You are discouraged, but you are trying to man up as if you are a man. You are not a man. It's a spirit of discouragement. He will keep you down. And today, God is going to use my message to help you. I'm going to give you some scriptures so that next time it comes, you can fight back. Don't let him win again. Hear me. Don't let him win. Don't let him win. I know what I'm saying. If you are discouraged in business, you will never have the passion to continue it. I'm telling you. If you are discouraged about ministry, you will never have the passion to pursue it. Ha! If you are a pastor, 
He knows different angles. He'll make you feel all the people you are investing in are not investing back into you. He'll make you feel that all the sacrifices, the labor you are putting in place, nothing is working. He'll let you feel it. And you go through that emotional torture. Yeah, I'm telling you. He, he'll, he'll make so many things discourage you. You'll be a man of God going on social media and then you are struggling with an auditorium or with a venue. Then you see someone dedicating his new latest church building of 3,000, of 20,000, of 2,000. And then you don't have a venue. You were just sacked. How will you feel? You see, areas where you know you'll be easily discouraged, don't go there. Yes. So I don't waste time on Facebook because I don't want to envy anybody. Are you following me? Please. Arm yourself with these scriptures. It's going to help you. In the book of Joshua chapter 1 verse 9, when Joshua took over from Moses, you realize that Joshua was an army man. He was a military man. He was a soldier. And he had taken over fresh from Moses after Moses had died. And as a military man, God said something to this man. He says that have I not commanded thee to be what? So every Christian must know he's also a soldier. And whatever God said to Joshua, he says to who? The church. He says, be strong. Every believer must be strong and of what? A good courage. You must be courageous in the midst of bad tough times. Encourage yourself that this thing is going to work. It's going to work. It's going to work. It's going to work. Be strong. He says, and of good courage. Be not afraid. Neither be that word. That word dismayed is what? Discouraged. For the Lord thy God is with thee. What? Wheresoever or wherever you go. Give that to me in NLT. It's going to make much more sense to you. Look, look. He says that this is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now, God knew that Joshua was going to encounter challenges. Before he enters the promised land. Because the promised land had giants there. And the first place we were going to conquer was Jericho. It was a gateway into that region. God knew the challenges Joshua was going to face. So before he entered into battle, God said, be strong and courageous. Listen. When you got born again, it's the same process. God knows the challenges you are going to face. He knows there are giants on this earth. The giants of poverty, giants of lack, giants of all kinds. And God is saying the same thing to you as a child of God. You cannot be weak-minded. Because this world is not fair. It doesn't give you what you want. It gives you what you fight for. So he says, be strong and courageous. Be not afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Listen, before you face any life issues, you have to believe this. If you don't believe this, you will faint on the way. And hear me, there is no reward for those who didn't end race. 
There is no reward on the middle of the race. There is no reward for those who started the race. You can write that down. There are no rewards for starters. There are no rewards for people who begin races. The only reward is for those who finish. <laughs> so don't tell me, man of God, I want to give up. There's no reward for giving up. Check your Bible. You will never be rewarded for giving up. You will never be rewarded for starting something. There's no way some we are now starting a building project. There's no way someone will come and honor us and praise us that we started. Because many people start. Many people start things but don't finish. Rewards are only for finishes. So in the middle of the game, when there are challenges, make sure you finish. Make sure until the end comes, you are not giving up. Yeah, I know what I'm saying. Maybe already you are predicting that your GPA will never end you a first class. And you're already down at level 100, entering level 200. And that discouragement can tell you that don't study again. You, you don't know you don't know what Satan can do you this school you will fail by the time you get to level 400 so at level 100 your mind your heart everything is already disconnected discouraged and you don't want to even pursue anything again so now it's like you just go and study something to write exams I failed already so let me fail if you have that mentality in you, you will never be trusted by God. God will never put anything meaningful into your hands. Go and check the Bible. Before God gave Israel to Joseph, to Joshua, he had to tell him this. He had to tell him this. Every field you find yourself as a Christian, Satan will attack it. He will attack it badly. He will wound you until you don't want to pursue again. Because he knows the rewards that comes for those who finish. Yeah. Imagine. It was after they entered the promised land that they had lands. They had food. They had fruits. They took territories and they began to have rest. When they entered the promised land, guess what? They had rest run about them. Because Israel was traveling every single day. They were sojourning every single time. For them to come to rest, they had to fight. Listen, fight for your rest. Tell somebody, fight for your rest. Some of you must fight for your family. Some of you must fight for your friends. Some of you must fight for your children. Fight for their rest. Yeah. Yeah. Fight. 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 Look at the next verse. Deuteronomy chapter 31, the verse 8. Deuteronomy 31, the verse 8. Now look at that. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Lord, you're so good. He says, and the Lord... He it is that do it go before you. You must arm yourself with this revelation. It doesn't matter what you're going through. God is going ahead of you. So God is ahead of you. If you are discouraged, you are saying that God, I don't want to go with you because you're already ahead of me. How can God be ahead of you and you're afraid to move? How can God go before you and you're afraid you will fail? He says, he will be with you. He will not fail you. Neither forsake thee. Fear not. Again, neither be discouraged. Discouragement is a spirit. It's a spirit. It can ruin everything in your life. Yes. It can ruin everything in your life. You will never trust people again. 
You never want to fight. You never want to make progress. You never want to move forward. Discouragement will shut down every important thing in your life. Yes. It is discouragement that makes people commit suicide. I know a man who committed suicide because he was owing three banks. He didn't know where to start from. I also know a man who was owing the same three banks and he encouraged himself with the Lord. Started taking God serious. Started praying, spending time with God. Then God will give him a business idea. Go and invest in this. Money comes. He pays. God tells him, this money, don't touch it. Go and sow it at the church. Give your fight. God started giving him direction. He paid all his debts and he's still a multi-billionaire. Yes. So, 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 what reward comes for the man who committed suicide? He, as a Christian, he appears in heaven. That's a waba. Nobody will mind you in heaven. Let me tell you, if you commit suicide, nobody will have time for you in heaven. Because listen to me. Listen to me. If you are a soldier and you are placed on the battlefield, and by the time they get to headquarters, you came back to the headquarters before time. They know you have to be there for one month. And you came in two days. Say, Wabre. Wabre. Apart from spiritual things, when it comes to suicide, we are here though. Jollof. Me, because of Jollof and Fufu, I won't kill myself. In fact, Jollof, Wache, and Fufu, I will never kill myself. So, apart from the help of God, apart from me loving God, apart from me, uh, I mean, spending time with God, Jollof, Fufu, and Wache, and Timin Kumihu. Min Kumihu! Hey! Master, we are here though. Jollof, ni salad, fufu ni aponchinam. Ubeja fufu ho, heaven, fufu ni o communion. Wow, you don't know this. Fufu ni heaven, itu be dia didi wa didi wa hasesia. Chopper any heaven, because all the animals in heaven they don't kill them. Lie soup. Ah, you don't know this. So when I hear that somebody committed suicide, hey, most of the time it's from the people outside the country. The white people, you know, their emotions are somewhere. You know, a white man can just go and see the natural forest and he's okay. <laughs> you just go to a resort, see the seas, you'll be walking. He said, when I saw nature, I was healed. Black man. Forest. Upper country area. Who would just a forest? The sea. None of you hope. No. So I see no. Obechit namari. Black man. Nature. We need more than nature, Masa. So our problems in Africa is not the same as these white people. You know, when we went to Potter City, the white woman was preaching in the morning session. And she was talking about uh, pain, was talking about all these things. And he says, no, God has not given up on you. Rise up as a believer. You, you know, as a believer, don't worry about it. Everything's going to be fine. I just realized everybody just touching her like this. <laughs> uh, 
So, I just watch. I just. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> they were just encouraging her. But black men, black men, <laughs> tell them I'm teaching good. Let's move on. Tell somebody why. Now why? Now what's your tell somebody your favorite food right now? Let me know your favorite food. <laughs> At least there are some people here who know their favorite food. Prophet Ima know his favorite food. If you don't give Prophet Ima fufu for one week, we'll a stroke. <laughs> when you before one week, we'll a stroke. Hallelujah. Let's move on. Next verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, the verse 16 to 18. NLT. Now look. Oh, I, I love it. <laughs> Can we read together? Loudly. One, two, go. So listen to me. There are no losses in the spirit realm. No matter how down you are. No matter how this body seems to be dying out of discouragement and all kinds of things. The Bible is saying you can still give your spirit man an opportunity to enlarge. So even in the midst of discouraging moments, you can still grow as a child of God. So don't limit yourself to let anything put you down. He said don't give up. Though this body, this mind, this emotion can go through dying moments. Our spirit are renewed, you can still give your spirit the opportunity to flourish. Look at the next verse. He says, for our present troubles are small. Our present troubles are small. It doesn't matter what it may seem. The Bible is saying your present trouble on this earth is small and won't last very long. Yet they what? Produce for us what? A glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. Do you know what he's saying? There are two things you can do to problems in your life. You can make them, number one, put you down. Or number two, you can make them a stepping stone to move to the next level. Yes. This one is not a motivation speech. This is scripture. Your problems can sandwich you or they can become stones upon which you can move to the next level of your life. Hear me? Almost every major person you find in the Bible, it was troubles that released their ministry. It was an affliction of Israel, the torment, the discouragement moments of Israel that God appointed Moses. Oh, I saw a psalm in, in, in the book of Psalm. He says, by the rivers of Babylon, when we sat down and there we wept. When we remembered Zion, there can be times where you can sit down and weep, but make sure that weeping does not put your back on the ground. So he's saying that, yet these small troubles produce for us a glory. There are some people, it was in tough times they got to know the Lord more. There are some people, it was in tough times that they learned how to fast. They never fasted in their life until tough times came. 
There are some people, they got to get intimate with Jesus Christ by some troubles they decided to go deeper with God. So listen, everybody will have troubles. But if those troubles are not used as instruments to get more closer with the Lord, those troubles will crush your spirit. It will crush you down. Listen, there are people who are going through what you are going through and they are still surviving. They are still joying. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. All of us seated here. Eh? If God should open up what some people are going through, you shut up. And yet they are in church. They are wearing tie and die. They are wearing suit. If you know what is in that suit, no, I'm telling you this. If God should open your eyes to see what people... See, there are people here who are owing. There are people here who, who are going through emotional pain. And they're all here. You want to give up? One time we'll have a service. We'll call it pain service. Everybody will come and tell us their pain. Huh? When we close church, everybody will put their hands on their back. I'm telling you. Even as a pastor, sometimes I go through things I don't, I don't tell you. I have to come and preach and still make you laugh. You think that's easy? That's not easy. To go through things and you are encouraging people when you are discouraged, when you are down and you are empowering people. That's one of the most difficult things to do. Praise God. Tell somebody, no matter what, my hope is in Jesus. No matter what, I will still trust him. One more time, no matter what, I will still hold on to Jesus. The last time Pastor Scapa was telling me that, you see, you see Pastor Scapa today, you see him maybe driving and then you are, you are thinking everything is fine with him. He has been a security man before. He's been a security man. Yes. Security man. He's, he has walked several times. He has eaten banku consistently for a year. He has been maltreated before. So if you think you were the only one who was maltreated, you don't know what pain people have gone through in their society. They've survived all this pain. But today, out of all that pain, do you know what he used the pain to do? He learned to manage money out of it. He learned to help people going through pain. Yes, I'm telling you. He helped to, to, help, people, to help people who are going through struggles. He used that pain. So what lessons are the pain teaching you? Sit down. Think about that thing. What is it teaching you? What are you deriving from it? Listen. Today all my pains. Eh, I use it to coach people. Yes. I told you some mistakes that I did sometime when I was on campus. I got so extremely spiritual. Now, you see, this heat you are seeing me, it didn't start now. It's that in those times, I was fasting one year, four months non-stop, praying just like that. The prophetic broke out. Electro, electric, I'm seeing visions. Prophecies were just flowing just like that. So, one time, I just said that I want to do ministry. It's enough. This good thing, it doesn't work. The calling of God is fresh. And I must do ministry. I didn't understand that life is in phases. 
and God has to take me through this. In fact, most of the people we have here are from UPSC. If I didn't go to UPSC, how would I have met them? If I didn't go there, how would I be able, able to partner all these people? But I said I wanted to start. So I was in a rush. So in my examination sheet, all the seven subjects, I wrote Bible quotations and prophecies. I know you are, you are wondering, is that a normal human being? Yes. And what happened was that my name is spread in the whole school because the lecturers were wondering, I mean, who is this? So at that time, there was one man who's called Fred Doe. I don't know if he's still there. Dr. Fred Doe. Okay, so my sister is a nurse. Then she was in Ghana. So he, was, he has been working with her and my sister was called Papo, Catherine Papo. So he saw the name Isaac Papo and he said, let me just find out from this working colleague that does he know anybody called Isaac Papo? He said, that's my, my brother. Come and see. So I was there. They called me. It, it was at a point in time, they even thought I was demon possessed. So they took me to a prayer camp. They almost casted God out of me. <laughs> They almost casted God. So it happened that, so my dad got fed up. He said, listen, my dad is a preacher. My mom is a preacher. We want to take you to Trinity. You go and do a degree there. I had a dream and the Lord said, you are coming back to UPSA. And he made a statement, for your shame, I'll give you a double. I was wondering the embarrassment I was going to face. I'm going to go through this for four years. I'm two years behind. Now all my friends are in level 300. How will I stand this shame? You know, some of you are afraid of shame. If you're afraid of shame, you won't make any attempt to progress. Now, can you imagine this has been like seven, eight years ago? Can you imagine? So if I was saying that because of the shame, I wouldn't do it. You are afraid of shame. You forgot. Oh my goodness. I endured. When I came, whatever I predicted, it happened. When I'm walking, those people are just watching me because they, the thing spread in the whole school. So when you are walking, you can imagine you are seeing people who know that issue and they are watching you. Hello, but behind the hello. <laughs> when I went, so all, so now I was in level 100. So I was in level 100 people when my friends were in 300. It was very embarrassing. But in the midst of that, I was encouraged. I was still praying. I was still pursuing. I was still moving. I ended up to become a Gaffer's vice president. I became president and I became the chaplain of the entire school by the time I completed. Now, if I was down and discouraged, do you think this would have happened? And hear me, hear me carefully. Now, when I hear someone who comes to tell me the man of God, I can't explain, but the fire, the fire is killing me. I, I don't want to go to school. I, I just, I just want to serve the Lord, serve the Lord. Hey, 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 master. Serve the Lord, why? <laughs> sit down, sit down. Sit down. If you're on fire, I'm also on fire. But hear me. I cannot advise. I have advised more than 10 people, and today they have become great people. Yes. So, so that moment of downness, I embraced it. And today it has become a strength that is lifting up other young ministers who go through the same ditch that I've gone through. Hear me. Your pain can be a giant that will crush you or bread that you will crush. Do you know when God sent Israel to go to the promised land? They sent spies. Two people brought reports. 
first group of 10 said that they are giants. They will kill us. We are like grasshoppers before them. That's how they saw their trouble. That's how they saw their limitation. That's how they saw their problem. And Joshua and Caleb came back and says, we are well able for God is with us. So they also saw the same trouble. But how did they tackle the trouble? They saw the trouble to be bread. The others saw the troubles to be giants. How are you seeing your troubles? You, you, you see, your trouble can be so great that it can look like a giant. Maybe it's a rape. Maybe it's an abuse. Maybe it, it's you being taken for granted. And you may see it as a giant. If you keep seeing that issue as a giant, it will crush you. Let me give you some other verses. Look at the next verse, the verse 18. The verse 18. For we do not look at what? The troubles. So what you look at really matters. It says we do not look at the troubles we can see now. Rather we fix our gaze on what? Things that cannot be seen. Talking about eternal things. For the things which you see will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see will last forever. So hear me. Hear me. This is too good. Don't let troubles rob you of eternal things. Don't let troubles rob you of eternal things. Don't tell me you don't have money. So because, of, because you don't have money, you won't pray again. Prayer lives into eternity. The rewards of prayer in eternity. Don't allow temporal financial struggle to rob you of eternal realities, eternal rewards, eternal benefits. Because of temporal issues, temporal tensions. He's telling you that temporal things will be gone soon. When we appear in heaven, there is no financial problem. So, what you are doing now with financial problems matters. If you align those things to put you in a place where eternal things become irrelevant for you, be very careful. Don't be so down till you can't open your Bible. Don't be so down until you can't lift your voice to pray. Because in Philippians 4, 6, he says, be anxious, worried about nothing but in everything by prayer. Let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God that transcends all understanding shall guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Tell somebody, troubles are my food. One more time, troubles are my food. I am strong and I'm encouraged in the Lord. I would never be dismayed. One more time, I would never be dismayed. So hear me. When you allow those seasons of your life to rob you from getting to know the Lord deeper, and there are times in the midst of the things that you're going through, God can show you great revelations. Joyce Mayer was abused sexually. Today, she's one of the mighty women of God in the U.S. And she's using one of her great problems, one of her great things she battled as the anchor of the vision of her ministry. And today, she has raised many women who have been broken, battered, and tattered. And today, she's the one lifting them up. 
Psalm 42, the verse 5. Please go and read these scriptures. Don't decorate them on the pages of your diary. Look, David was asking, look, he says, why art thou downcast or cast down, O my soul? So David was now interacting with himself because sometimes you can interact with yourself. Why are you downcast? Listen, sometimes come to your senses. Why am I, why am I allowed this thing to kill me? Why are you downcast, oh my soul? And why are thou what? Disquieted within me. Give me NLT. NLT. Quickly. Quickly. Look, he says, why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? Look at his answer. I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my savior. So the, the solution to discouragement is trust and praise. Trust and praise. This is the only thing that will guarantee that you will come out. The Bible says that when a tree is cut off, the tree that is even cut off has hope that at the scent of water, not even water, at the scent of water, it will, it will sprout again. Even trees cut down have hope that they will grow again. Come back to KJV. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. KJV. He says, why not that downcast of my soul? Why not that disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet. Look at the word. I shall what? Yet. 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 Don't wait for your pain to exit before you do the spirituals. Now, now. He says, yet. 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 Praise him for the help of his countenance. That means it's only God that can help you out of it. You see, what I'm trying to draw your attention to is that every pain or trouble you allow to drag you away from the Lord will cost you. Rather, they are supposed to drag you to the Lord. They don't drag you from the Lord. They drag you where? To the Lord. Romans chapter 8, the verse 28. Look, he says, and we know. This is something every child of God must know, but unfortunately, many Christians don't know. He says, we know that how many things? How many things? All, including the bad, the wicked, the mass. He says, all things work together for good. To them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. Put this inside you. Yeah. For three years, we're battling for a land. The chiefs were not releasing it. We have already paid over 100,000. As a pastor, maybe people even think that I've spent that money. And we kept praying. We kept praying. That land was actually 600,000. So even if the land came to us, we are supposed to raise extra 500,000 for that land. We kept praying. Imagine we are down. And I say, hey, money maybe. We are going because your troubles are not my troubles. We kept it. Three years every Friday all night. 100 days fast. Someone gave us 400,000 Ghana cities. Now, the Lord began to show me something. That we paid 100,000 for a 600,000 land. And we didn't know where that money was going to come. 
we still kept on moving. And guess what? We had 400,000 Ghana cities. And now we don't owe any bank any money for any land. But look at the timing. It came after some years. Imagine we are down, we, we say that this thing won't work again. Listen, listen, listen. One reason why you must hope in God is because you don't know how he has planned your future. So there are some of you, that process of pain, in the middle of that pain, God has made help available. So imagine you don't move. You will forfeit all that help. The lepers said, why sit we here till we die? Because if you sit down as a leper, you will die. If you move to the enemy's camp also, you will die. It is better to move than to sit. It is teaching us one thing. Slow motion is better than no motion. Yeah. Listen, have you realized the earth is still moving? Anything that is static expires. Go to a house that people have not lived in for five years. Next house, people are living in for five years. You'll see a difference. Anything that is static, anything that doesn't make advancement, anything that doesn't move, that thing expires. It's just a matter of time. So listen, make a move. Move. It's bad. Move. There's no money for food. Move. Open the Bible. Read. Pray. Tell God to help you. Do your quiet time. In the midst of it, God has made a plan for you. Listen, most of the great miracles that I saw in my life were when I decided that I would never be discouraged, I was to move on. I saw them in the greatest times of trials in my life. That's when I saw miracles. First Peter 5, 7. My time is up now. First Peter 5, 7. He says, cast all your care upon him for he cared for you. Put this into your, your archive for encouragement. Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. Which means that after giving you all these scriptures, eh, I rest my case. Fear thou not, for I am what? With thee. Be not, what's another word for dismay? Discouraged, for I am what? Thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Psalm 31 verse 24. Psalm 31, 24. Be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart. Listen, it is only when you have good courage that God strengthens your heart. Have you realized that there's no strengthening of heart in a discouraged position? He says, be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart. All ye that hope in the Lord. So there are promises that are, there are no promises given to those who are discouraged. The promises are for those who are of good courage. Come to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. The Bible says, for without faith it is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is the reward of them that diligently seek him. Listen, Satan knows that those who seek him will surely be rewarded. Those who seek God diligently will surely be rewarded. So he sets up plans discouragement so you don't get a reward. Simple.
1 Corinthians 15, 58. Look, he says, therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast. Steadfast. Give that to me, then healthy. <laughs> I love this one. So, my dear brothers and sisters, be what? Strong and immovable. Let nothing shake you out of your place. That's the word. Always work what? Enthusiastically. For who? The Lord. For you know that nothing, ah, nothing what? You do for the Lord is ever useless. And quiet time is what you do for the Lord. It's not useless. Tell somebody it's not useless. Nothing you do for the Lord is useless. Now listen, you, you take the Bible, you are discouraged, you are still opening it. He said what you are doing is not useless. I love it. It's not useless. Nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Tell somebody, nothing you do for the Lord. Look at the person's face. It's ever useless. Why are you looking at the person's face like you're discouraged now? <laughs> Say it again. Say, nothing you ever do for the Lord is ever useless. Hallelujah. Am I helping someone in this meeting? Last but two, Psalm 55 verse 28. Psalm 55, 28. He says, attend to me and hear me. I moan in my complaint and make a noise. Oh, verse 28. 55, 28. Okay, so relax. Okay, I'm realizing that it's a lady, so I have to be nice. <laughs> so relax, okay? But if it was Abel, all right, someone should read it for us. Psalm 55, verse 28. Uh, there's no 28. Oh, so the problem is for me. Oh my goodness, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I should relax. Okay, 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 okay. I relax, I relax. I relax, thank you, I relax. See me after church. <laughs> All right, Isaiah 26, verse 3. Isaiah 26, verse 2. Now look, he says, Thou would keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusted thee. So those God keep, those God keeps in perfect peace are those whose what mind is stayed. Focus. <laughs> oh my goodness. Now, now. Have you exhausted? Have, have you gotten all these scriptures? So when you go, go and read them. Find a way of exposing them to yourself. Because they really helped me. He says, one of Satan's greatest weapons is discouragement. He knows he can keep you out of the word and prayer. In, the devil knows that if he can keep you out of the word and prayer, he has already defeated you. Please. <laughs> this one, I think you should write it down. The devil knows that if he can keep you out of the word and prayer, he has already defeated you. You are walking defeat. Eh? If you allow the devil to keep you outside the word of God and prayer. I'm telling you, no matter what you are professing, I don't care whether you have served God for 10 years, 20 years. If the devil manages to keep you out of the word and prayer, he has already defeated you. Every trap you set for you, it will catch you. 
I'm telling you. And hear me, on account of this foundation, let me build something on it. And hear this. Hear this. Dropping your quiet time is the first step to backsliding. Many Christians will hear this and they won't heed to it. And they are wondering why they are battling last. Dropping your quiet time is the first step to backsliding. If you like, do an interview on 26 believers, 30 believers, 100 believers, how they began going off. They'll tell you it began when I neglected my quiet time. Check it. Maybe some of you don't know. But today I'm going to you. Dropping your quiet time is the first step into backsliding. Now, here are some few principles. Number one, consider making a covenant with God. Consider making a covenant with God. Which means that once you make a covenant with God, whether you are happy or you are sad, you don't compromise your meeting with God. So whether you are happy or you are sad, a covenant is a covenant. It's a vow you have made, something you have made to the Lord and you have told him to help you to fulfill it. A covenant is a covenant. So whether I'm happy or sad, I'm still going to do it. That's one of the ways you're going to destroy discouragement. So when the devil knows that you have made a covenant, you have made a vow to the Lord that no matter what happens, whether I'm down or up, I'm still praying. He can't try any further attacks. Are you here with me? Number two, put it in your weekly schedule deliberately. Put it in your weekly schedule. This week I had a lot of schedules. I had to preach in Chebi. I had to go for a meeting at Porter City. I, I, I was there for about three days to meet with the prophet of God. I put everything in my schedule. I told Mr. Kweku, please remind me. It was part of my schedule. So he sent me messages to remind me about what I'm supposed to do and all that. Now, if you're going for an interview, you don't want to forget, you set a reminder. But many people don't know they have to set reminders for their spiritual lives. Praise God. So you have to put it in your weekly schedule. It must be part of the things you do in a week. Number three, expect and be prepared for the devil's excuses and attacks. Expect and be prepared for the devil's excuses and attacks. Satan can give you one million excuses why you shouldn't do quiet time. <laughs> one great man said, if you wake up in the morning and you don't meet the devil face to face on, it just means you are headed in the same direction. If, like, you are not worried that you have not done your quiet time, everything seems to be okay for three days, five days, ten days, you haven't prayed, you haven't read your Bible, there is no discomfort, you are okay, you are happily living, happily ever after. Hear me? You are... Satan knows you're on the head in the same direction, so he won't find anything to attack you. But anytime you want to be on the journey of spirituality, have you realized the problems and the challenges are high? It's a sign you are doing the will of God because Satan fights the will of God. Are you getting love? Are you sure you're getting it? 
Glory to God. So hear me. Please. I just want you to imagine something. Okay? Let's just assume that Satan and God have gone on a discussion concerning your life. Like the book of Job. And God has said, hey, this man, this man, this man, he'll, make, he'll, he'll do his quiet time. <laughs> and Satan says, listen, the reason why he's doing his quiet time is because there's money. It's because he just received a new job. That's why he's doing this quiet time. Just give him some time. You realize that when his job, eh, he's promoted, he will leave you. And God says, no, not my servant Samuel. Not him. Not my daughter. Then there is an argument going on. God says, I trust him. There's no way he'll let me down. He'll meet with me every morning. Even if he doesn't meet in the morning, he finds a way to make it happen. And if he doesn't meet me, meet me one day, he makes sure he doubles it the next day. God knows it. And imagine that there is that tete-a-tete on your case in heaven. So now, on account of that imagination, what is your scorecard? <laughs> some of you, eh? Satan has won God on that bed. He has won several times on the bed. So now God is not betting again. Because you were wrong bed. You are unbettable. I'm teaching good here. Satan has lost the bet. God has lost the bet. Can God trust you? Can God be boastful about you? That my daughter, this is my son, even in bad time, he's still for me. He's still for me. In the midst of trouble, this, this guy, he'll still be singing, Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I live for you alone.